Hello everyone, this is Carmen and Moises and welcome to Yoga Burn. Yoga Burn. The title of today's podcast is Can Hip Openers Help Me Give Birth Without Pain? Hip Openers, period. No, the no, no, Hip Openers. I thought it was good. So, I came today, I came to, shut up please, I came today prepared as you would. So totally prepared. <laughs> so not much, not much prepared, but let's shoot. Just shoot. Shoot. Ask. Ask me what. What. What do. You, or what do you want to talk about? About hip openers. I mean, because so I, I figured that we have to uh, start general, right? Right. Because these are the first episodes. So we said backbends, and there's like a thousand things you can say, and there were many ways that we could have gone, and now everybody knows the secret of back the backbends secrets right now, right? Uh, what stretch stretch your your belly button? That's the one. <laughs> but um, so we start with hip openers in general. You got so many comments out of that. I think so. And messages. Yeah, nothing okay. funny stretching when I do hip openers, which obviously would be something on the other side of the body, right? <laughs> I, I mean, that's all. But I don't really feel it there. Your your butt cheeks? No, it's more like a belly button, but on the other side of the body. <laughs> I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. I do know what you're talking yeah, about. that thing. So, no, but nothing stretching there. No, it's more the, for me, it's the, but actually for me, it's the butt. The, the, the muscles on the top of the hip or the top of the leg as it joins the, the butt. That's where I feel it the most. And that, it's not like a knee pain or it's, it's more like... Or the, hamstrings. The, no, hamstrings. It's more the IT band, more the outside for me. I That's see. That's where it hurts the most. I see. I think one thing that happens with, with hip openers is that I'm not sure that people practice them as often as they should and they expect results mm. like fast. I remember that we, we taught this workshop. I don't know where I want to say that they were, this person was, you know, she had a French accent, but I'm not sure. And, uh, but I remember perfectly that she said, I do not improve my hip openers. What can I do? And I asked her, how, many, how often do you practice hip openers? And she said, twice a month. <laughs> and I was, I mean, I didn't laugh. I just, I was very subdued, right? And uh, I said, there you have it. So if that's, I say, that's, I, skip, I skip dessert twice a month, why am I not more skinny? Would be the same it's, thing. If if you expect to have results, results. practicing huge, huge, twice a month, then that is that is a problem. Twice a month. That is a problem. Exactly. A exactly. For no. Me. For you, yes. For yeah. you, for you, it is. This this keep this right. Um, but you know that so that's, twice a month is not enough. It's not not enough. If you're serious about your your hip opener practice, I'd say minimum twice a week. Ooh. <laughs> I, know. I mean, you, you, you asked me. But I mean, what you if know. you practice twice a week? Then you only do hip openers. <laughs> so, then, then you are then, you're like, not you know, going to be serious about anything. <laughs> <laughs> if you practice twice a week, you cannot be serious about shit. No, if you practice that twice a week, you can do... You, one you, every you, other week, like twice a month. Twice a month. Then, then, then you go. Hip so openers. She's doing well. 
<laughs> so she's on schedule. She, Poor woman. But you're so nasty to people. You should not. You should not expect. But she was just like so upset that she couldn't put her leg behind her head and she couldn't do lotus comfortably. She's like, but what is wrong with me? Like she was really, really adamant and like wanting to find out. And I'm like, this is this is it. I think someone that would practice twice a week would not be with that kind of energy and that upset about their hip, I mean, their hip opener practice. Do you I remember mean, when we went to Oslo? I do. You, I mean, it's a cold climate, if you don't yeah. know, right? Yeah. And uh, for some reason, they go on bicycle a lot, or it seems like they went on bicycle. I have Very never seen... Ecological. Like, tighter hips in my life. The entire room, it was like, oh my God, this is cultural, clearly. Uh, may maybe it was just a group, you know. Sometimes the group is just very flexible, very so, open. Yes, Sometimes the, the, the group. The yogis in in Oslo, they all have. We like, we, we got we got the ones that we got the ones the with, 10, with, with we, well, I don't know we, how many they were there. But, uh, we got the ones with with tighter hips, um, because the hips. I mean, what we what I understand as the hips, right? It's just you know the pelvis and the the femur, and you know it's it's a ball and socket joint. So they're Everything, activities that you do, running, cycling, walking, etc., it just has a very strong impact on them, and you are using them all the time. So it's normal to feel stiff, you know, air quotes stiff, because it's, it's one area that you're constantly working on, uh, or you are just so sedentary and you're sitting so much that you don't move them at all. So whatever it is, for whatever reason, it's, it's always a point that people feel, most people feel very stiff and they are very sturdy in my opinion. So it, from my experience, it takes more work, more determination, more consistency, even than backbends to see some results some results, like some serious changes happening. So you see people improve back bends faster than hips usually? Uh, no doubt. Oh, really? Yes, absolutely. Because if you think about, I mean, when you think about the, the spine and it's such a, you know, long area, etc., there's many elements that you can improve in your spine. You can, I mean, when it comes to the flexibility in back bends, you can improve your shoulder, you know, flexibility and that range in your shoulders, you can improve your, improve your spine, you know, flexibility, just kind of bend better. You can improve your lumbar strength and that's also gonna give you, you know, more range. You can improve your thoracic capacity and the way you breathe in your back bends. And you can improve also your hip flexors, you know, and how much you can stretch those to a point that you're still in control and your pelvis are square, et cetera. So there's just so many things that you can work on when you do backbends. But when you do hip openers, it's just a very limited amount of things that you can do. Because yes, you have, you know, they have like a, you know, a ball, the ball and socket, right? You have like a big chunky part and then you have a, a bone stuck in it very tightly, you know, inserted in it. And then you just have to move it around and that's, that's all you have going for you. And then just try to do poses, you know, and it, and it is true that 
for some people, it, hip openers are always going to be difficult because it's just your bone structure is not going to allow for you, no matter how much you stretch, is always going to be a lot of suffering. You Maybe you'll never be able to put your leg behind the head, depending on, you know, so many factors, you know, just so, so many elements, like how long your the, the neck of your femur is, you know, how forward the... the the head of a femur is, or how back, or how how your hips placed, you know, built when you were a fetus, you know, in your mom's, in your mother's womb. So it just that, just kind of how much exercise you did when you were little, you know, and if you never moved, then chances are your hips are much stiffer than if you did some exercise when you were a kid. Just so many, how many accidents or, or injuries you've had, Etc. Just so, 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 so many elements, both you know, structurally from your bones and muscles, etc., that determine so much the outcome before you even start stretching your hips. But so that's why I, I said that it requires a lot of consistency because it's just so so tight. It feels like it's it's so tight to just like let's say. You're trying to put your leg behind the head. There's uh, only so much space, and and just it's so tight. Even I mean, I think I have pretty open hips, and even for me, it's just like you know, it's a, it's like it's a millimeters game. You know, just a little bit here, a little bit there, and you pass your leg. You know, if you have very broad shoulders, you're gonna have a really hard time passing mm. your leg behind your head. Don't you, know? you put the leg in front of the shoulder now? Uh, that's, that that's, 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 that's like some people do like that. They, they, I don't know if, if don't it's like because that. they don't understand the pose or what is it, what's, what's going on. <laughs> I mean, is, no. Is it easier or harder? It's, easy, it's easier, but it's, what, what's the point of that? Yeah. I mean, it's, you're just letting the neck carry, do all the work. That's do all the work. So more. you have to just push back with a shoulder with a scapula, you know? Um, and also, I also think that hip openers don't have such a big repertoire of poses. I mean, because if you cannot stick the leg behind the head, you're screwed. Yeah. Right? You cannot do anything. Because in backbends, you can do half-ass, and you can still do something, and I cannot get that deep, but I can kind of do it, or you do it poorly, but here is like either the leg goes behind the head or does not go behind the head. So. Exactly. There's, like there's not that many what we binary, call well, <laughs> very binary. It's very binary, yes. And there's not, if you think about it, there's not what we consider a hip opener. You know, mm -hmm. mean, meaning that external rotation of the hips, right? So your hips open out, knees point out, etc. Um, there's not that many peak poses that you can work on. I mean, not as many as you would in. Uh, Backbends. Backbends just have an enormous repertoire. You can do so many backbends and such a big variety. The family is huge. But in hip openers, you don't have that many. And like you're saying, if you're, let's say, Ekapada Shishasana or leg behind the head is, a, is one of the major you know, hip openers, one of the peak poses there. If you cannot do that, there's so many things you can do with Ekapada Shishasana. It's just, it's very fun, very playful. You can do combine and get it very creative. But the, the thing is that most people cannot even put the leg, their legs mm -hmm. behind their heads 
therefore we no, cannot, cannot we, we cannot play we cannot play we cannot do anything all the fun part is gone. you know all the and, and you just as a teacher you feel very bad when you have some students a lot of your students in your class that cannot do that pose then it all comes down to the warm up and how you warm up and what kind of mobility things you do with the hips and with the legs to make them have an easier time and for me that and also so that they want to continue to work on their hip openers because like i said it just it takes a enormous amount of time and dedication otherwise it's just not going to happen. So the, the mobility things that, you've added, that you have added the last years to the classes that you did not do that 15 years ago, you think have helped the way the hips are warmed up and prepared yeah. to do this? Really? No, 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 no doubt. You know, you can do like a lot of squats and half squats and a lot of combination, leg combinations, alternate between like internal and external rotation, etc. that... It's going to help to at least have the hip more lubricated. So you can, the femur is just moving better, you know, because the head of a femur is very tightly knitted into the hip socket. So, and the, the, that's like muscles and tendons around that are just very thick and sturdy. So it's nothing, it's nothing like the shoulder. It's not loose like the shoulder. You know, it's not like the shoulder at all. So... You know, you, you want to open up, you want to move that, you have to really put some muscle in it. You know, you have to really get to work or you have to really fatigue your legs because your you legs like are do, like, like, you know, I, I like your legs a, a little bit fatigued. Not so much that you have no control over them, but, you know, fatigue your legs a little bit because otherwise they're so sturdy they're and, and they, they're just not, they're not warm, warm up enough in order for you to do anything and to go anywhere. They're going to resist so much. And there's a big element of also letting go and not, you can tell how, I can tell when I teach, so many people are just preparing themselves already before even starting to do that peak pose. They already anticipate the result before even doing the pose. They already know, because they probably have done that pose before, but they already know that it's going to be a bad outcome, that they won't be able to do it, that they're going to struggle so much. But before they even go into pose, you can tell by their faces and their body language that they just, it's going to be bad. <laughs> and it's like you're not even giving your body a chance to have another kind of experience in, in the body, mm -hmm. right? It's like, enjoy it a little bit more, be a little bit more playful, playful. Uh, be more open-minded, be a little bit... I know that maybe you've done it a hundred times, a hundred times it was horrible, but how about if this hundred and one time, it's you, you have, you have a happens. different like, hmm, just, okay, whatever, yeah, I don't have to go anywhere, I don't have to... If, I, if I'm able to suffer less, it would be so amazing. Something like that, right? And, and I feel in, in hip openers, that happens a lot. There's a sense of people feeling defeated and feeling like nothing is changing, like nothing is opening up, nothing is moving, because it feels like that, because I don't practice enough, uh, or you know, with enough consistency. <laughs> and, and then, and, there, and therefore, therefore, uh, it's just it's a, it's a vicious uh, cycle, you know. It's just 
it just gets like, well, I'm never going to get there. Why even bother then? I'm never going to get there. So I'm not going to do it. It's just so bad. Like energy just goes. It's a spiral downwards. But aren't there like easy poses, OECR poses to try? Like, because you say, okay, I cannot put my leg behind the head. But getting the leg behind the head is hard. Can you have like different, like a progression? Like if you're going to, if you want to work on hip openers, the first hip opener most achievable, most entertaining, most something that is going to help you keep trying is? <laughs> well, there's, to me, there are three mm-hmm. big hip opener poses that you can play with. One is like behind the head, that you, you were established saying. established that that was hard. Number two, uh, Yogi Dandasana foot or, or foot into the armpit. Not ideal either. Number three will be lotus. My knees. Your knees. knees. Yeah. And that's... Okay. so half lotus. Like half, half lotus. So those are... I mean, do you? Do you teach I more 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 peak poses than... I mean, more groups of peak poses besides, besides this, this three? I can't think of any other of hip opener than that. Um, but, and that is very... It has a very big repertoire. Like, you can do so many things with those three poses so 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 many no other backbend can be just as playful as each one of those three is you know because you can do so many things with inversions with arm balances with that in backbends you cannot change so much so many times one backbend you know, you can modify a backbend and just do like different variations of that backbend. And there's many backbends, there's many different backbends. But just one pose, just so one backbend, so versatile as these three hip openers. Wow, this not. But that's that's but the catch. Like, I can get lotus or leg behind the head or uh, front of the armpit, and I can do an arm balance. I can do a balancing pose. I can do an inversion. I can yeah. do a combination with the other leg doing something else. Yeah. Can do, that, that's what I mean. Yeah, exactly. So mm-hmm. it's just, it, it is extremely playful and, so, and versatile. You can do so many things. I would say out of the three, the safest one to me to teach or to try to go work towards is Yogi Dandasana. Should you, before we go, I, should you work on the three a little bit? If you have the twice, twice a month practice? <laughs> you're still you're, I mean, still, that still, that still, ha- still hang on that no because the thing is if you practice twice a week right then you you, ha- you have you probably have to month. do twi- twice a month she was pretty accurate actually I think she practiced I would be very angry I think she's still angry right I th- now I, th- I think uh, she she remains was, angry 2023 I, I think she practiced more than twice a week I mean then she should be angry maybe for you it's okay so, but <laughs> twice, twice a month. But for her, she it was. I, th- I think she should be able to practice more. She just wanted to focus on other things, which I understand. You want to focus on your inversions or your twists or your side bends or handstands or more, more back bends. I mean, I, I get it. I get it. I if I don't do hip openers, um, because, because I practice so many back bends, my glutes never get in my lumbar area never gets truly stretched like truly lengthened like if i don't and from practicing handstands and jumps you know and different kinds of presses etc if i don't i practice only once a week i have to say hip openers i used to practice more than that but um over time i'm 
because I, I think I am I'm I'm satisfied with with what I, what I can do you know hip opener wise and, and all that and I want to pursue more you know the handstands or other other aspects of my practice breath work etc uh, doesn't matter so on, on, only once a week now I used to do two or three times um, but I'm just I feel like I'm maintaining my level. Sometimes I put a little bit more work, and maybe some weeks I would do twice a week, but I'm, uh, I'm maintaining. I don't expect to actually improve doing more than once a week, but it feels so great to really stretch your the glutes, really stretch the um, lumbar area, really stretch the hamstrings like never before. And I unwind when I do backbends, and I do a lot of other things, and I do stretch my hamstrings a lot. I do stretch my glutes a lot. Nothing like hip openers to stretch the back of the body like that, you know, period. Because so. you're unwinding as long as my practice, basically. Probably. Yeah. Because how long do you practice? 30, 40, 45 minutes. No, my unwind is actually longer than, than, your, whole, than your whole practice. It's just, I'm, wow. I'm accurate as the lady that what <laughs> Because my unwind, uh, you mean from backwards, my unwind, I don't, I don't do just forward falls or twists at the end. I also do some strengthening at the very end as well, which I think is, is very beneficial so that, you know, you're just not going like back and forth, but you actually do put some strength in it. So I do some extra inversions at the end, and that's probably like another 25 minutes. Just like, that's like the very, 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 very end of your practice. So imagine, like the very, very end is, is 25 like 25 minutes. And before that, I've done another... Uh, 20 minutes or so or 25 minutes of just some you know forward folds and this and I try to I do a mild leg behind the head you know etc but mild nothing very deep very far back because I mean when you do leg behind the head there's also or yogi dandasana there's different stages in that pose same as when you're doing wheel there's different, you can there's different, the you can yeah. close the gap in between your hands and your feet. I mean, there's different, it's not like all wheels are the same. So not all legs, be, leg behind the head poses are the same. You can keep pulling not, down, right? Not, not all yogi dandasanas or, or lotuses are the same either. So there's, there's a difference. Even if you can do those poses, uh, you can still get better, improve, or make them more challenging for you. Like... You know, for for instance, when you put your leg behind the head, you can combine it with other things. Isn't um, the arm balance one of the easiest options, or no? For leg behind the head. Mm -hmm. um, the parasva one, the the twisty one. No, for for that's that's for yoga dandasana. Ah, okay. For leg behind the head, the easiest thing to do. I mean, the easiest. Once yeah, you I can mean, more or less. Once you can do more or less behind leg behind the head. One of the easiest things to do is to go into a forward fold mm -hmm. because it's already, I mean, your body's already kind of hunched over no matter what. You have your leg behind you and the leg is so heavy and it's really pushing, you know, on your neck. So it's, it's you, pushing, it's forcing you to fall forward, for, forcing you to fall forward. So any like sitting forward bend or standing forward bend, those, that's like the easiest version, variation, like right? variation that, that you can do, right? And then the next one would be maybe sitting up, right? And you sit up and you try to straighten up a little bit more your, your, your spine. That one's really hard. You know, that that's, starts to get a little bit more challenging. <laughs> My God, for you, it's like everything. And, but even harder than that would be like standing up 
or oh, I thought you were meant standing or, up. Or you're reclined. You like sit, it's just sitting up. Sitting up, sitting yeah. Up. Just like standing. just sit up in, at, a, at a ninety degree L, angle, like an L. Okay. Like an L. Okay, so you have L. your leg behind the head. And just sit up. And you, you sit up like and you, the, the other leg <laughs> in the only watching TV and the other leg Visually just extend it out. So you just make like a 90 degree angle. Okay. The more you separate one leg from the other and let's say that you recline on the floor and you have one leg behind the head and the other one is, you know, extended all the way out or you stand up into Durvasana and you stand up with your leg behind the head. That is much more challenging. It's more challenging. It's more pressure you know, um, around the sacrum, it's more pressure, more stretch on your, on your glutes, it's more stretch all around the hips, you know, it feels like it's just really tough. If you add a twist to that, then it is even more. So you do like Parsadandasana, Marichi H, there's like some poses that you can do with your leg behind the head and you twist on top of that, you twist your spine, right, away from the leg behind the head. That feels like the leg wants to fly out like literally you have to especially in the beginning use your neck so much to not let it fly out that is if you come out of that pose and you just sit up once more at a 90 degree angle and you sit and put your hands in prayer it feels like a walk in the park yeah. it, it feels like it's the easiest thing in the world compared to what you were just trying trying to do. So that's just different stages. And same thing for yogi dandasana. You can do yogi dandasana, put your foot in the armpit. I mean, that's like the ideal case, but many people have their foot in the armpit more- Closer to the elbow. Closer to the elbow. That's where my armpit starts, right? <laughs> that's yeah. <it>. <laughs> In the, when I'm doing yoga dandasana, right above the elbow, right there. It's already armpit. That's, that's, so that's already armpit. Already counts. Armpit already counts. space. Already armpit counts. space. In yoga dandasana, though, because the position, because of the position of your body and your foot is pushing into your arm, etc., and it's forcing your, your spine to turn, then the twist version in yoga dandasana is actually easier. Because it stucks the foot in. Yeah, because you're putting your your foot, your, your foot your foot is pushing into your into the back of your arm or the back of your shoulder or if you, even if it's pushing all the way up into your armpit, it's it's pushing a little bit into your scapula. So it's just forcing you to rotate away from the yogi dandasana. That's why, you know, that twisty version is the easiest one of all yogi dandasanas to do. In yogi dandasana, it's actually squaring out and just pushing the foot back. And not, not allowing it to make you, to twist you, to twist your spine, that's actually much harder than, so it's, it's the complete opposite as, as leg behind the head. And then in, uh, in, lotus, in lotus position, what happens is that, or half lotus, a lot of people, you know, the, the knee is just so, uh, I don't want to say weak, but it is, not it's not as strong as your hip and the, the knee is weaker than a super super tight hip muscle or a leg muscle the leg muscles are huge and the knee only has a certain range of or motion rotation, right yeah. so you just like i mean you, you have mostly flexion extension and also some some rotation but not much not not much so uh, if you have the joint right above that is very tight and you're asking that to do an external rotation and it doesn't do that, then the knee, because it's weaker, you know, it doesn't take that much force to actually torque it and, and move it, then people tend to overuse the knee or, you mm. know, over abuse the knee 
because they just cannot access their, their hips. And it's just, you know, maybe for lack of knowledge or maybe because you're just a little bit ego-driven, we're, we're, we're all, we've all been there. You're like, I want to get into this pose. I want to do this half lotus or lotus position. And then, you know, you end up hurting your knees. So um, lotus is associated with, especially in the West, you know, when we go to, to teach in Asia, it's a different story. You know, the people have different hips and, you know, and different heights. different habits. So it's because learning. they squat so much, et cetera, it's just, it's just from birth. It's very it's different, for them. you know. I remember that one time, remember that we, we were in, in Korea teaching? Which one? <laughs> <laughs> one of the times that we went and we had this, this immersion, like, for teachers, mm-hmm. and there was only one guy in the room. Yeah. And it were all, all women except one guy. Uh-huh. And he was spectacular. Like, like amazing, right? And he could do splits almost to the, almost to the to floor. The like, probably like two fingers, like, like, three fingers off the floor, right? And he was like, I'm so sorry. I'm just not as good as everybody I else. He's like, I'm, just, I'm not as good as everybody here. I'm so sorry. And he was like apologizing for not being good. And I'm like, man, this is... Let you, Moises show you. No, <laughs> What does splits look like? In, in the West, yes. In the, in the West, yes. I'm like, you, this, this sucks so bad for you because I'm telling you, if you were... You're amazing. If you were yeah, almost, But you're in the wrong environment. If you were anywhere... Get rid of all these people right now. Move, right? Or move to another country. Because you were, if you were anywhere in the world that, I, I, that I've seen, you know, I don't know, in, in Europe, in, in, uh, in, in the U.S., uh, you would be amazing. You would be considered so, so, and he, he, he was a dancer, so he had great lines and great pointing toes, you name it, right? But he was not all the way down to the ground. And he was just like, you know, kicking himself like, oh my God, I'm not as good as everybody in this room. And I'm like, I have never seen a class where everybody goes to the ground in splits, right? So it's, it's just very different. Like the genes and, and and everything. It was so very traumatic for me to see that. <laughs> for, for you. I mean, a room full of thirty people on a full splits on the ground, like with weight on the ground. When like you see that and you know the same. Anyway. You have you have to have quite a lot of confidence in yourself. Like, you know, what? you're you're like <laughs> you're like, like what am I doing? What am I doing? What, what is, is wrong with these people? What is or what is wrong with me? No, these people. <laughs> what is wrong with me or or with them but yeah so it just it depends also on on the genes but um or on the habits as well so full lotus circle back to the full uh-huh. lotus conversation i know because you, you just want to get get off track yeah, all the get, time get that memory of my <laughs> so full lotus it's also associated with a lot of aches pains injuries you name it chances are if you have a, a lotus theme class you're not going to be able to teach it. You're not like, it's, it's a bad idea. It's a bad idea because m- many people will not be able to even get into Lotus. So then why are you doing like an arm balancing Lotus or like, you have to think of so many modifications to include everyone. You do half Lotus in this, half Lotus in that, or a figure four or something. And then just, there's just some, so many other things that you can do instead of just, you know, aiming, I feel like it's it's a very frustrating class to teach. When I teach Lotus, it, it's got to be with something else, not just Lotus, because it's it, it just not it's it's not satisfying 
for anybody. You know, mm-hmm. maybe a few, like 10%, 20% of a class will be like, oh, this class is great. But the majority of people will not, you know, except if you're teaching like in, in Korea or something, right? Uh, but the majority of people will not have a good experience. You know, and you want to include everyone. You want everyone to have a good time in the class. And, you know, that's, yeah. that's it. That's it. Yeah. So, but yeah, to me, to me, that is, that those are like, you know, what, when you were teaching like, um, heap openers, mm-hmm. what challenges were the biggest ones that you saw? So what happened Or when me, you adjust heap openers? No, I mean, the class itself, because the, the, the way that our class structure is, right? You're on the ground, so we start on the ground 99% of the times or 100% of the times. City poses. City poses to start warming up the body, get some heat, etc. And then you go and do the um, standing, standing poses. Mm-hmm. And then you get to the peak poses. And then we do the inversions at the wall and then the uh, warm down or the cool down. The cool down. When you do hip openers, something that usually happened to me over and over and over and over is I would butcher the inversions. I mean, I did not have the time. I did not have time to get to inversions because it takes so long to warm up the hips properly so you can actually really have the best shot at whatever pose is of leg behind the head, front of the armpit, or anything like that. So the the warm the warm up sequence that I had to do was usually a bit longer yeah. than usual. Also, you had it was a bit a bit of a torture because. The hips are so freaking strong, so sturdy. You're working on them the whole time. So you have to hold the pose a bit longer. You have to like really like punish them a little bit, right? To like really get them a bit tired, a bit like loose, a bit like warm, like a more mm-hmm. um, loose. I think loose is a good word. Um, yeah, more limber. More, more limber, limber, yeah, or something like that. And then something that happens as well is you try like behind the head once. And it's like, okay, I mean, you did the warm-up, it's okay. But you try it twice, and you can really see a difference. But then if you try it three times, in my experience, every time... I mean, there's a moment when you're so tired, you cannot do anything anymore. And, the, and then that's that, that's that. I mean, you, when you get right. to the tiredness moment or barrier or threshold, it is better to stop because you're going to go to worse. But while there's stamina, if you keep doing... I mean, because you try leaving hand the head, try a couple of breaths... Breathe, relax, stretch, send the leg back, do a couple of po- try, like attempts of pulling the leg a bit further in, further in, and then you stop and, and you know breathe for a minute or something, and then try again or two minutes, whatever. Um, what I saw is that if you try more than once, like even three times, it really gets better. Absolutely. Like the, the improvement is not like the first time, a bit better the second time, a bit better the third time. It's exponential. In, that was my experience. My experience was that you do the first one, and uh, you, you get the, the results of the warm-up of all the time that we have invested doing, I mean, trying to warm up the hips so you have a good shot. Okay. But if you try twice, it gets more than double, quote-unquote, whatever double means. But if you try three times, if you have the stamina to do the third one, r- really pays off. Absolutely. That was the, f- the very unique thing I saw. But it takes a lot of time because it's very exhausting. So you need not a minute between attempts, but... Yeah, I mean, those, there there are poses that like you. So that's, that's a very good point. That's, there 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 are poses 
these are poses, except Lotus, but you know, both Yogi Dandasana and Leg Behind the Head, they take a lot of time to get into them. Right? It's, it's not like, ooh, two seconds, you know, crow, ooh, I'm yeah. done, yeah. you know, I'm done, and I'm, I'm done with it. Side crow, ooh, try, I'm done. So the, those are very quick, you know, arm balances usually are very quick, uh, inversions as well, you know, like wheel, usually people come out so before I, I blink three this times, is so tiring. you know, so it's just, okay, everybody's down already. I haven't even like finished my sentence and everybody's down. It's like, I would, we did it already. But with leg behind the head, for instance, or yogi dandasana, it just takes so much time to actually get, get into it, get into it a little bit more, a little bit more, and just inching your way in, like oh, oh, a little bit more. And so, you're right. Like it, it takes a lot of, you know, eats up a lot of your time from the class. So maybe you don't have time to do inversions, or you don't have time to do pretty much anything else. Because mm-hmm. if you do three attempts in each leg. You have six attempts right there. Yeah. It takes you a little bit to go in and a little bit to rest. Let's say three minutes per round. That's 18 minutes right there. You have 20 minutes of just trying the leg behind the head as a big pose. Right. So in a class that is like an hour, hour 15, 20 minutes, like solid 20 minutes of big poses, just for that, it's, it's a very, it, it's everything a very, has to revolve around that. It's it's a it's a very long time, and it's actually it's actually true because even when I when I practice and I do hip openers, you know my hip opening practice, there's there's a pose that I do at the very end that is called double dupada yogi dandasana. You put both feet in your armpits, which is uh, incredibly deep. Not level one class. Absolutely not. Like it's definitely next level. We know two more people that can do it. There's there's there's, the there's 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 many there's many people that that can do it, True. but <laughs> but it just takes quite a, a lot of practice. So even when I do it, and my first attempt, and I, and I've been warming up, you know, for three hours, and this is like you know I'm all three and a half or four hours in into it, like, you know, no, I would say like almost uh, two forty five or something or three hours in, into the practice, and then I do like almost an hour of un- unwinding. So. Even even at that point, on the first attempt, I'm like, how can I, how am I going to be able to do this? I, I mean, I put my first foot, the second foot, and I'm like, wow, this is so deep. This is so intense. How could I do this last week? I think every week that I practice, <laughs> I, I ask myself the same thing. How was I even able to do this? I don't understand. The second time I do it and I rest, I come out, I rest a few moments, drink a sip of water, right? Second, second try. It's just how you wipe your sweat from the armpits, from your feet. Second try. It's like so much better. It's exponentially better. Still not, you know, like super amazing, but wow, the improvement is humongous. But I mean, I don't know how many times you do it now, but I remember because I used to help you in the five of hard poses. I mean, I... You used to do it six times. Okay, I actually, I actually, I, st- I still do it six times, but I, I do it, I do different variations. Variation. So I do the first two times that I put both it in my armpits, I just try to breathe and stay there. Survive. And just survive. Survive ba- Basically. Surviving. And I try to, as little as much as I can. On the second one, I can already, I can start to do that. You, because when you put both it in your armpits, you're 
scapulas are so forward, they're so protracted, you know, because like just shoulders forward, you're so rounded, it's ridiculous, like, and you have to fight that back, you know, you have to fight back and open your chest and push more your feet into your arm, because have more strength in the hips, you're just letting, you're putting both feet in your armpits, but you have no strength in your hips, right? So in the second attempt, I just, I started to get, find that strength, and I push my feet some more into my armpits. I'm like, oh, yeah, this, this, is, this is working. I'm starting not to be so hunched. It's great. And the third one is the first time that I go into the arm balance. So I put both feet in my armpits, and I put hands down on the floor in front of me, and I hop a couple of times, and I go up into like a crow-like position, right? With my feet in my armpits. And then I, I hold that arm balance. And then um, I go into tripod. Uh, sorry, I go, I go, first I go into tripod headstand, then I go into the arm balance. And then from there, I try to shh, let the legs go and I go into handstand. And that, this, this third, that's the third time I do it, you know, do it by the Yogi Dandasana. The first time I go up into handstand, it's usually worse than the second time I do that, I do it. The fourth time I do both, both feet under my armpits, I do the same thing. I try to go up into the arm balance and then from there go up into handstand and that's usually better because this has just more precise and better form, better. And it's a huge, like you can tell, it's just such an enormous improvement from, from one to the next, to the next, to the next. Then the fifth one, I, I try to do it not resting the head with a, with, no with a different floor. technique, not resting the head on the floor, which is much more much more difficult. I, I try to pop up from a block, popping up into the handstand and all that. Anyway, it doesn't it doesn't matter. And then the sixth one is just for you know for just kicks just and for kicking kicks and giggles and just, just for fun. I I just do the the baby version on the forearms and and all that, but. You know, so I, but with five, with five, I five will, is I enough, you think? Five is enough. Five is enough. Five double yogi dandasanas, like both feet under the armpits, <laughs> both, just five times is enough. I'm people, always, I, I think people are taking notes now. I'm yeah. always blown away at how much the hips open in those attempts. From like, one to the next. From, from the first to the third is a whole different body, it's completely different. And again, I've been warming up for a long time. I've been doing it, you know, and I've, been, and I've been doing this for many years. And my hips are considerably open compared to many people. And still, wow, it's it's just night night and day. Same, I mean, I do like behind the head and I do other things with like behind the head. And then I do at the end, towards the end, I do Buddhasana, which is like behind the head, really far, far back your back, etc. I mean, the first leg behind the head I do is like barely, barely hanging in there is barely in and then not as not as comfortable and then it just keeps getting better and better and better by the last one it's so it's so much more comfortable compared to the first you know the first attempt so it really makes a huge difference to actually do that and also the unwind from hip openers i think it's a, should be a little bit longer to me than than the unwind from from backbends yeah. you know you don't you, you need to do some small back bends and some strengthening for the lumbar area. I like to do that. You, know? I mean, you need just to get the, the back a bit arched back, the lumbar a bit strong, more strength because it's like so like 
out or like a so rounded, right? So it's so, so, so stretched. So there is some like internal rotation of the hips as well to put like the legs back together in place. Like it's like discombobulated the whole thing. You you need some time to like again recoup, put back the body as the wind down, right? Yeah. So, so it, like, it's again, I I used to like I could not do inversions at all, at all. And also one thing to I usually I, I, I usually make my inversion time much shorter yeah, when I do like. Uh, serious hip, serious hip openers, but it looks like I mean when you were teaching, it looks like you were very committed to the hip opener part, hip opener element. Yeah. Because probably I would not repeat it three times. The you know, thing I I would not. I would be like, okay, guys, fine, we've tried it twice. Moving on, you know, it's just the the thing let's is, let's move on and do do another thing. That uh, I mean, I always have the I had the feeling that. These very imposing postures, or imposing asanas or, or positions, whether it's leg behind the head or it's a difficult backbend, right? Um, it's, in my opinion, better to get a modification that you can kind of do, even if it's like you lay on the ground and you do like a barakonasana or you get the foot into your chest, like, like the beginning of the beginning of the beginning of leg behind the head, like bringing the leg into your body. Right. Do that three times. Do it three times, and each time you do it, breathe like 10 breaths in each attempt you do. And you will see how it feels on the third one. Even, so, even if they could not do leg behind the head, right? Because not everybody could do it. Right. I, I always felt that it was a mistake not to try the pose simplified just because the final pose was so difficult or so, like... Yeah. Right. I mean, like, oh my God, this is so uh, scary to some extent, or unachievable to our. Yeah. And, and it was like, very intimidating. No, you need to. And I, I always thought you have to start somewhere. You start. I mean, in the beginning, the leg, the yeah. foot is not even gonna get to the chest. No, no worry. I mean, if we do this enough times, your leg will end up on top of the head, and I've seen that. And if we do that enough times, from the top of the head, we go behind the head. And it will go a little bit behind the head. And then from behind the head a little bit, it will go more down. Right? So I've, I've seen that improvement with my own eyes because we had this studio for enough years, right? And I have seen people improve like that. Like you go from the foot on the chest and you go, I suck at this. Whatever. Shut but up, you, do but it. But you didn't, you didn't do it twice a month. No, no, no. no, no you I mean, did, you didn't with do, people do that came to my classes and stuff. Exactly. Like that, right? so. And then... The so then you need some sort of consistency then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going back to what I was saying in the beginning, like, you But know. I think that if I have to look, think at my classes, the schedule that I had in my class, right? Is I used to teach like maybe twice a week. There was times I taught like five times a week, but I mean, like twice a week. And then it was like a, in my schedule, it was very clear that I would commit to twice a month hip openers. That's my <laughs> schedule. I always did that. And people knew that. No, it's... <laughs> That's what I did. That's how I like planned the whole month. I mean, right. which two days? You're really ha hung, on, hung up on the on this and, uh, idea on on the idea of twice uh, on this comment of twice a month. Um, but yeah, I mean, some some people like in backbends or in every other pose or in handstands or inversions. Some people can get more out of twice a month, and some people cannot get enough. But, I mean, everybody twice has one range of movement. That comes easier for them. Yeah, I mean, but some if, it, if it's not easy hips, for you twice some, a month, it's, it's not going to be enough. It's, it's not going to be. But enough. I mean, maybe that that woman, if she was trying like internal rotation of the leg, 
and doing eagles and stuff like that, then she would improve a ton just doing it twice a month, right? Or doing a backbend or doing a, a twist or doing a whatever. So some movements you pick up like that and some movements you need more than twice Exa a month. Exactly. So it depends on which are like your, the easy if moves. You, if you judge it on how schedule. fast how yeah. fast you improve all the things, like if you judge it, well, I should be doing it because I'm already doing headstand. I'm on, I'm already doing forearm balance. No, no. So I should be able... Everything is not going to improve. I should be speed. able to... Exactly. I should be exactly. able to do like behind the head or lotus yeah. by now because I can do forearm balance. And it's... Wrong. You know, no, the answer is it's not. The answer is wrong. I mean, it's just... It, parts of your practice are going to improve much faster than others. And those that you see that they don't improve that much, those are the ones, if you want to improve them, that you need to dedicate more, more time, time to them. Yeah. You know, it's just Usually it's the opposite, right? So it's like, oh my God, this is so easy, this is so fun, so I do it more. This one is so awful, I don't advance, so I do it less. And then you start getting these gaps. Instead of trying to work towards a balanced practice that every single direction of movement is comparable to each other, not right. because some ones will be better than others, impossible not it's to. A, it's, it's always going to be. But they will be at least comparable. And yeah. uh, then you can advance. Because also, if you improve in one direction, it will help the others. I mean, it, as For funny sure. as, it, as it sounds, but uh, if you work on the on hip openers and the hips are more rotated and stuff, your hip flexors will be easier to move around when you're doing and warming up for hips for for backbend. Sorry. Exactly. So exactly. It it, it, it does yeah. help. Exactly. So people are like, I only work on backbends because they're really more important than hip openers. And I'm like, well, your hips are pretty essential for backbends. Especially but, for the walking part of life. Uh, but whatever you, you think, you know. Yeah. So you need, you want to develop all those those elements as well. You know, if you if you don't have a good forward fold, if you don't have good back foot, good compression, then forget about any presses into handstands or any inversions, etc. You know, any kind of inversion work or smooth inversion work, it's never gonna happen. You know, if you don't do lots of forward folds and and all that, so and you have to work on that flexibility, yes or yes, it has to happen. So yeah, okay. it's. So everybody's exactly. clear. Homework for you twice a month. Hip openers, everybody. Yeah? Very good, very good. good. All right. Thank you so much for listening Thank to us. This is Carmen. And Moises. And well, I'll see you in the next one. Bye. Bye.